Don't complain about your cable bill going up and up and up. Do something about it. Grab a pencil and jot down this special number. Call 877-499-MY-TV. The more cable TV rates go up, the better digital satellite TV looks. So cancel the cable and get more of your favorite channels in 100% digital quality for less money. Call 877-499-MY-TV. Right now to sign up for packages starting as low as $24.99 and there's no equipment to buy. You get free HD TV upgrade, a free DVR upgrade, and free professional installation. You control what you watch when you watch it. Record your favorite shows, pause and rewind live TV, even skip the commercials. Watch local channels too. At just $24.99, what are you waiting for? Pull out your major credit or debit card. Call 877-499-MY-TV. That's 877-499-MY-TV. Cancel the cable, cut costs, and get more. Call now, 877-499-MY-TV. That's 877-499-MY-TV. Welcome, you're listening to Sports Econ 101. You know our show. It's where we discuss sports topics from a business perspective. I'm your host, Edward Brown, along with my co-host, Bruce McGowan, longtime radio sports personality. Today's show, uh, we're, again, we don't have a guest this week either, so it's mono e mono. We're going to mostly talk about the Olympics, and uh, we're also going to ask sports trivia questions at each commercial break. This time, we're back into baseball, so baseball trivia questions. And uh, looking at this, uh, some of these are uh, kind of hard. Even, well, most of them, even you, for you, you. You've thrown some pretty good curveballs at me lately. You know? <laughs> curveballs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good it's okay. one. I'll like sit that. On, that, on that curveball and hit it. I'll pull it down the line. There you I'll go. try. I'll try <laughs> okay. anyway. And if it's uh, the, what was it? The polo grounds was like 505 from center, but yeah. uh, down the line down was Down the lines was like 298. Yeah. yeah, it's crazy. Even I could hit those. You could. All right. Uh, and the first commercial, excuse me, the first email with the correct answer to these questions are going is going to receive a free vacation to the Lighthouse Resort and Marina. Those vacations are not sponsored by the radio station, but by Lighthouse. And uh, their only request is a $100 cleaning fee to cover the housekeeping expenses. Check them out at lighthouseresortandmarina.com. Again, we want to mention paintball. If you've never played paintball, it's a lot of fun. Kind of reminds you what it would be like to be in a war. <laughs> but <laughs> without, all, without, all the, without all the gore and the, and, the, and the noise. No, but if you've ever been hit with a paintball, it hoits. It hoits. <laughs> but, but it's fun, though. Yeah. Uh, so if you go to Sports Econ 101, uh, our website, and click on the paintball icon, You'll actually get 85% off of many paintball venues around the country. So yeah. go ahead and check that out. Just click on the icon and follow the, the uh, instructions. Pretty easy. This segment of Sports Econ 101 is sponsored by Pacific Private Money, providing mortgage investments that are currently yielding over 8% secured by real estate. It doesn't get any more conservative than that. you got to check them out at PacificPrivateMoney.com. I've had money with them now for three years, and uh, they exactly are paying a little bit over 8%, which is funny because what I earn in a month, most people don't even earn in a year wow. at the bank. Wow. So check them out again at PacificPrivateMoney.com. If you're listening to Sports Econ 101, don't touch that dial. Bruce and I will be right back. 
This is Mark Honf, co-host of Mortgage Investing 101. Did you know that you can earn, year in and year out, returns of 8% and more on your savings and retirement accounts? Mortgage-backed investment strategies such as trustee investing and mortgage pool funds can do just that. Since 2008, clients of Pacific Private Money have consistently earned high yields on their investments. Find out for yourself how you, too, can profit from these real estate-secured investments. Call 415-883-2150 or visit our website at PacificPrivateMoney.com. The Camellia Inn in Healdsburg is a blend of vintage charm and modern luxury amenities. The Camellia Inn is a peaceful place for your next visit to California's wine country. Set in the quiet charm of Healdsburg, our bed and breakfast features rooms that are beautifully appointed to make your stay comfortable and welcoming. Enjoy the villa-style swimming pool after hiking or wine tasting, and then enjoy the spa at the Camellia Inn that was created to enhance your memorable experience of luxurious relaxation and retreat to high-quality mattresses, and luxurious linens for a good night's sleep, and when you awake, a sumptuous, in-prepared breakfast awaits you. Call the Camellia Inn at 707-433-8182 or visit CamelliaInn.com. That's C-A-M-E-L-L-I-A-N.com. Again, 707-433-8182. Pedro Fernandez here. You might know me as the host of Ring Talk Live Worldwide, but this time I'm here to talk about that four-letter word everybody dreads, pain. If you have back pain or knee pain like I do, hey, you should know about the Health Alert Hotline. I'm talking about if Medicare is your primary medical insurance, and guess what? You can qualify for a back or knee brace or a shoulder brace for little or no charge. Anything to help me with the pain, hey, makes it more manageable, gets my attention, folks. I love the free delivery, and they take care of the paperwork for you. So if you have Medicare and need help for your back, ankle, knee, or shoulder, guess what? Give the Health Alert Hotline a call toll-free, 1-800-428-1570, 1-800-428-1570. You can qualify for a back or knee brace or a shoulder brace for little or no charge. 1-800-428-1570, the Health Alert Hotline, 1-800-428-1570. Here comes the decision now, let's listen. Clarity in the world of professional boxing is spelled WBO. That's right, the World Boxing Organization is boxing's only transparent sanctioned body. You can follow the WBO on Facebook or check out their website, WBOboxing.com. That's WBOboxing.com. The World Boxing Organization. Welcome back to Sports Econ 101. Again, I'm Edward Brown, your host, along with Bruce McGowan. And Bruce, today we're going to start talking about the Olympics. Yeah, you know, the Olympics, uh, there's a lot of problems uh, logistically that are looming for the athletes and for the venues in uh, Rio. I, I mean, the stories have been well chronicled. You know, the Zika virus, the the crime, um, just a lot of, a lot of uh, potential headaches. And now compounding all this is the fact that uh, Russia's entire track and field team has been banned uh, because of a vast doping program that has affected 28 um, summer and winter games. Now, the uh, athletes appealed to the um, Court of Arbitration in Switzerland, and they upheld the ruling by the IAAF, which means that some of the greats like um, Yelena Ishbayevna, uh, who was a um, 
Good a pronunciation. Pulp, yeah, I don't know if that's <laughs> a, yeah, pronunciation. I don't know if I pronounced it correctly. Ish Baye Eva, uh, 2012 Olympic pole vault champion, is not going to be able to compete. Uh, long, one of the long jumpers, uh, Ekaterina Canovra, said, you know, if she if this ruling went against uh, her team, that she'd cry. I'm sure she's crying now. <laughs> and uh, one of the other uh, top well, athletes uh, said, I'm going to go out and get drunk because I'm, I'm going to be so upset about it. <laughs> well, if she's crying, then let her back in. Yeah. Um, track and field, though, is that the only uh, not boxing or weightlifting or well, anything? I, that, that's a good question. I thought it was the entire team, but I'm, I'm being led to believe that there's still a uh, possibility of the other athletes competing. This is mostly... Uh, track and field athletes, and I think it's it's something that apparently has been going on for a long time. You you remember the East Germans had a, a dubious history back in the 1960s and 70s of a lot of their women athletes who were who were using steroids, and now the kind of um, uh, dope that uh, you know or or performance enhancing drugs that athletes use are much more subtle, but are just as easy sometimes to detect. So it's really a shame. This will be the first time since I guess 1984 that we will not see top Russian track and field competitors. That was because yeah. the uh, the Russians, or the Soviets, they were called at the time, yeah. boycotted the 84 games. Because we boycotted the 80. Before, yeah. Because we boycotted the 80 in uh, reaction to the uh, invasion of Afghanistan. Afghanistan. Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's, it's a real shame. Um, you know, everybody is always looking for that shortcut, and I think you see it more in track and field because, uh, you know, it's just that kind of a uh, – those, those sports – Sort of depend on the you know a matter of inches, a matter of pounds, a matter of of uh, seconds, and a little extra boost can make a difference. And, and the Russians apparently this has been going on way too long, and it's finally uh, come home to roost. It's really a shame. It it really is. You know, going back to the eighty uh, Olympics, I mean, it was one thing when you had a world war during World War Two. And they, they, I guess it was at the 41 and the 45 ones well, were, or 19, 44 were. Yeah, 30, 40 and 44 were, 44 not, were, were not, not done. Uh, not done, yeah. Um, but, you know, it, I remember when uh, Carter had made the announcement that right. we weren't going to compete. And the first thing I thought was, you know, the poor athletes, they yeah. try, they, they train for all this time, and then a political issue it was has a, to. It was a mistake. It was a yeah. terrible mistake, and it, it cost, I think, the fans in 1980 and eighty. Eighty-four, some great uh, potential, uh, you know, dramatic stories. It's it's too bad when politics and athletics get in, you know, get in the way of each other. In, in this case, I think it's it's clear that the Russians needed to more than a slap on the wrist. They weren't apparently paying enough attention, and you know, I, I guess there are a couple of athletes that um, one of them was a whistleblower. Her name is Yulia Stepnova, and she is Florida based, and she's a long jumper, and she can actually compete as a neutral. So if she wins <laughs> a gold kind? medal, who are they going to what, – what, what country? What, 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 what music are they going to play, you know? I mean, she can probably pick her own favorite favorite song. But she apparently has been getting uh, some uh, death threats online oh, from, from Russian fans because she blew the whistle. And there's also a, a gal in Florida, a long jumper named Daria Klishina, and she's received threats as well. So it, the whole thing is kind of ugly. It's, it's too bad. I mean, it, it sounds like this Summer Games is just – I would like to see the summer games played exclusively in Greece. Just play it, play it there, or have it there every year. You know, have, have an Olympic. The, how, yeah, but how's the weather in Greece? It's kind of it's pretty warm, bit, but I mean, it's on the it's on the Mediterranean. I mean, the last Greek Olympics went pretty smoothly. Uh, you know, that's where it started. Yeah. Uh, if you build a, uh, the infrastructure there, will always be there. You can upgrade it from time to time. But if, logistically, it's always a problem when you have it in places, third world countries. Like, yeah. and, and, and Brazil, really, in some respects, isn't a third world country, but it's got a lot of the problems. The third world countries have. 
I mean, I, I remember visiting uh, Rio in 1988, mm. and they were going through a lot of upheaval. Yeah. Going from the, their currency was changing from the Cruzeiro to the Cruzado. Oh. And uh, basically, all you had to do was take the Cruzeiro and knock uh, two zeros off of it. Interesting. I mean, it was just, it was, it was, it was crazy. And they had literally military police everywhere. Wow. And we were staying in a five-star intercontinental hotel because it was a big insurance convention. And I remember uh, the uh, person walked us out into the cab. In the, and we're talking about in the parking lot. You know how they have sure. you know the nice little uh, drive-up valet thing. And as soon as we got in, you know it was quick. Slam the <laughs> slam the, uh, the 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 lock buttons down and roll your window up. And this is like literally in daytime in the parking lot. Yeah, that's how dangerous it was. Well, I, I talked to a woman friend of mine years ago who went down there, and she had to have a bodyguard the entire time she was there. Uh, a guy watching out for her because you know there were kidnappings of foreigners. It's really a shame. Um, and, and they've had some upheaval in their government. Uh, you know, they they've had some some major scandals. I, I guess their their president uh, has been on the hot seat. So you know, it's. You'd think the, I mean, somebody got bought out, to yeah. bought off to, to have the Olympics there. I mean, yeah. the Zika, the Zika virus, the, you know, the whole infrastructure. Yeah. The, I mean, it's just it's it's so ridiculous that I mean, you're you you may see the end of the Olympics well, because of stuff like this. It's it's sad. we don't realize how corrupt some of these sports governing bodies are. I mean, look at the uh, you know major soccer for yeah. years. You know, Sepp Blatner. You know, I mean, that guy ought to be in jail. Really. I mean, all it takes is you know, some bribes, and you yeah. know, it's like, ah, what's the big deal? You know, I'm, yeah. I'm just taking a little bit of money for this or that. And, I think for all our mm-hmm. problems here in the United States, you know, our our professional sports and our college sports are, are relatively, relatively clean, relatively clean yeah. compared to, to most countries. That's for sure. You know, we always are trying to live up to a higher standard, and we do, and we should. But uh, I, you know, when you look at some of the problems elsewhere, my okay. God. But here's the most important um, Olympic question. Is Caitlyn Jenner going to go into the decathlon <laughs> as a woman? She's not running in it, is she? No, she's like in her 60s, right? Well, I don't know. You uh, never know about that. I, I mean, she looks like she could probably still compete, but I don't think so. <laughs> That's a strange story. That whole story is, is, is strange. Yeah, I remember when Bruce Jenner was, I guess it was in 1976 in, in Montreal. In Montreal. Yeah. It was amazing, just amazing. But he was that, a man's man back then. <laughs> he was. He was quite a. He was quite a competitor. I, oh yeah. You know, you know I, I know that Sports Illustrated had her <laughs> on the cover. Um, you know, that's a, that's a touchy subject that we probably shouldn't get into. But it, it is interesting because there are more and more now. Uh, they're they're gay athletes and they're transgender athletes that are competing. And as a matter of fact, one of the greatest women athletes of all time, uh, Stella Walsh, who competed. I believe she was a U.S. A track and field or tennis player back in the 30s or 40s. Turns out that she she had she was anatomically both a man and a woman. Oh, so okay. she was born that way. So what do you do? You know, well, the, the, uh, see, and that's not really fair in a way. Well, I, I guess it was what's fair, right? Because yeah. it, if it's not like uh, drugs per right, se, right. that person you know maybe has a little too much testosterone or too uh, much of the other you know thing, uh, estrogen. Yeah, you know, but you know, I mean, uh, you got too much like, of both. If if, but if she's competing. As a woman, right? You know, and let's say in tennis or something, where um, you know the average, I'm sure the Olympic, the average of Olympic male tennis player, let's say, if it, is tennis in the Olympics, it has been, it has been, okay, yeah, yeah years ago, is going to be better mm-hmm. than the average woman, sure. But if the woman has more testosterone, yeah, she's then gonna it's going to, she's going to be. But the thing is, if it's natural. 
then you know I guess it's fair to compete. Well, like that, there were but. always you know contentions that Martina Navratilova was actually a man, but no, she was a woman. I mean, that the thing was that she just was extremely aggressive, extremely uh, you know physically strong. Yeah. See, and, I don't have a problem with yeah. that because that's yeah. a natural thing. But yeah. like you know, a, a guy who decides, oh, okay, I'm going to suddenly become a woman, yeah. Yeah, he's still going to have big hands and you know yeah. all that kind of stuff. Okay, anyway, we're going to cut to a yeah. commercial break yeah. here. Uh, we're talking baseball trivia. Catchers are rarely known for their speed, but which National League catcher set a record for hitting 13 triples in a season? Wow. That's pretty good. That is good. First uh, email with the correct answer. Going to win a free three-day, two-night stay at the Lighthouse Resort. Email edward at sportsecon101.com. The answer to that question. Don't touch that dial. We'll be right back. Tired of calls, levies, and liens from the IRS or hiring others who don't get the job done? Call Wall & Associates and you'll never talk to the IRS again. The IRS has a program to eliminate tax debt and Wall & Associates professionals are trained to maximize its benefits for you. You always speak with a live person with real support and real knowledge. We've helped thousands of taxpayers like you settle their tax debt with the IRS for a fraction of what they owe. We solve tax problems. Call Wall & Associates now. 800-480-5708. We have the professionals who know how to solve tax problems. If you owe money to the IRS, your tax problems are not going away by themselves, and the passage of time will only make matters worse. Act now before it's too late. Call Wall & Associates right now to speak to a professional tax relief agent. Call 800-480-5708. That's 800-480-5708. Again, 800-480-5708. Rebuild or replace transmission, $3,200. Anti-lock brake system, $1,000. Rebuild or replace engine, $2,400. Truth is, once your manufacturer's warranty runs out, it's all on you. Every last cent. Get protection for covered repairs with a vehicle service contract from Toco Warranty. Unlike other companies, with Toco, there's no down payment, and the monthly payments are really affordable. Not sure how long you're keeping your car? At Toco, you can pay as you go. Keep your hard-earned cash and call Toco Warranty right now at 800-222-2313 to save big money on covered auto repairs. Prices vary by vehicle, but for about the cost of a tank of gas per month, a Toco plan has your back on expensive covered car repairs. Monthly payments are very affordable. Get your free quote now. Call Toco at 800-222-2313. That's 800-222-2313. 800-222-2313. Cancellation fee may apply. Subject to eligibility. Not available in Missouri and Washington. Waiting period and deductible apply. Coverage provided and administered by Warrantech Corporation or its affiliates. Not affiliated with any manufacturer or dealership. Visit tocowarranty.com for complete terms and conditions. This family is at home, but they won't be answering the door. They know that the pounding on the door is a process server from the court waiting to hand them foreclosure documents. So instead of enjoying the home they worked so hard to afford, they sit hiding in the dark. Mom, what was that? But it doesn't have to be this way. This family can save their home, but they must act fast. Call Allied State Foreclosure Solutions at 800-274-7312. If you're being threatened with foreclosure, have been denied a loan modification, missed a payment on your mortgage, been a victim of a predatory loan, or are upside down on your home, it's critical that you call Allied State Foreclosure Solutions now. 800-274-7312. Allied State Foreclosure Solutions has an attorney in your area that will meet and speak with you. You can stop the foreclosure 
foreclosure process, lower your monthly mortgage payments, save your home and your credit. But you must act now. Call 800-274-7312. 800-274-7312. Not available in all states. Paid non-attorney spokesperson. Welcome back to Sports Econ 101. I'm Edward Brown, your host, along with Bruce McGowan. Here was our first trivia question about baseball. Catchers are rarely known for their speed, but which National League catcher set a record for hitting 13 triples in a season? Now, I did say National League, so you can forget about all the American Contemporary League Contemporary? Uh, no, you're talking about the, uh, I'll give you the year, 1966. Oh, that, yeah, that's 50 years ago. So that was bef- just before Johnny Bench because he was yeah. 68. And I'm drawing a blank. Um, you will definitely know him. He's more known for television okay. commentary now. Bob Euchre? No. No. God, I was going to say. <laughs> Bob Euchre wasn't a regular, though. I don't think Bob could spell triple. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no offense, Bob. Uh, I love you. Yeah. I, actually, I love Bob yeah, Euchre. I'm just you know, trying to throw a little Bob Euchre humor. Yeah. Hey, yeah, I'm going to be in the front row. Tim McCarver. Tim McCarver? Yeah, 66 Cardinals. Wow. I never would have guessed I, that. I never thought. 13 triples. I mean, how many How many everyday players hit 13 triples? Well, I tell you, Tim McCarver had a star cross career. He he uh, won three pennants in his first five or six seasons, and then he played on Philadelphia, I believe, when they won in 1980. Oh, yeah. I think he did. Uh, so he had some great experiences. Some guys, you know, uh, Joe Morgan was that way. Championships just seemed to fall that yeah. little guy everywhere. Um, but so Tim, actually, I guess he got to catch Bob Gibson. Yes, he did. He It's interesting. Uh, Bob Gibson uh, wrote a book, and I can't remember the name of it, um, but he talks about his relationship with Tim McCarver. And McCarver had to be real careful. Gibson was the kind of a pitcher who, you know, don't talk to me. Give me the ball. I'm going to throw it. Yeah. I'm going to just throw it. And intimidating presence. And uh, You never you know, waved off a uh, – you, you never – Never waved off a sign with Bob Gibson. Well, I don't know about that. But, I mean, he, he was the kind of guy you didn't question. And I, I can tell you from firsthand experience, having dealt with him when he was a, when he was a pitching coach for a brief time, that he wasn't somebody you, you crossed. Uh, you, you, didn't, you didn't want to get on his bad side. Let's put it that way. Um, I remember one time doing an interview with him, and he goes, "You got says I'm in between jobs right now. You got a job for me?" Kind of, you know, <laughs> sort of sarcastic. I said, well, says, well, you're working. I'm not. So, uh, you know, what do you want to talk about? He was, he was yeah, a but tough guy. My guess is he still made pretty good money, yeah, though. He was a tough <laughs> tough competitor. I remember once he got hit with a line drive in the leg, broke the leg, and stayed in the ball game and kept pitching for another three innings. <laughs> I mean, that's how tough Bob Gibson was. And, of course, in the uh, in the 67 World Series, they're yeah. playing the Boston Red Sox, the impossible dream. Red Sox 100-to-1 shots with Carl Yostromsky and Jim Lonborg. Mm-hmm. They get to Game 7, and the Red Sox fans are really excited because they're playing at home at Fenway, and this is a winner-take-all. And it's Lonborg against um, Gibson. Gibson not only won the game, he had a home run, you know. And his 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 um, reaction to the Red Sox fans was the day before the game. He said, "Watch what's going to happen tomorrow, you know. You'll see it." And of course, we did. So Bob Gibson was amazing. You know, for a short period of time, he was the most dominant pitcher in the game. Even yeah. Sandy Koufax, probably a little before him, Bob Gibson. Yeah. It was at the same time, but Gibson's ascension really was a little after Koufax. Sixty seven, sixty eight mm-hmm. were his peak years. Of course, Sandy. You know, uh, rode off the scene in the six, after the '66 season because of uh, the elbow problems. Yeah. But uh, boy, dominant, dominant pitcher. I don't know if we have pitchers like that today. We have guys that get on a roll, but uh, Madison Bumgarner. I was thinking uh, of Madison, yeah, or, but... or or Clayton Kershaw, who right now, as we speak, 
Um, and we're you know we're, we're was t- it Strasburg is thirteen and zero. Strasburg's having a great year, but 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 Kershaw apparently has got a pinched nerve in his back, and it may cause him to miss even more time. He may have to undergo surgery, which would could be could be disastrous for a Dodger team because they've really had some problems with their pitching staff this year. I mean, their pitching staff has been beat up, but they're still they what five six games behind. Well, last, last we saw, last we saw, I mean, that was, uh, you know, as we're taping this show, you know, things could have changed between now and then. But uh, the team that has really surprised me, Edward, I, of all the teams in baseball this year, how about the Cleveland Indians? Yeah, I was going to say the Indians. Yeah. Even the Cubs hasn't, haven't surprised me that much Not because much. last year, you know, they were, yeah. they were doing really well. But, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. But, I mean, if, you, if, if, if somebody asked you to name the lineup of the Cleveland Indians, I, I couldn't give you three guys. I mean, Jason Kipnis is not exactly a household name. He's is, their second baseman. Is Jim Tomey still playing? No, no. He's long. You know, Juan Arebe. You remember Juan Arebe? Oh, yeah. He's, been, he's played yeah. with everybody. He's played with the Dodgers, the Giants, the Phillies, the Reds. I think he's played with the Reds. He's kind of a bench player, but he's a good guy to have on their team. Um, Lenny Chisenthal. I mean, he's hitting three hundred. Uh, you know, who are these guys? Who are these guys? Carlos Santana? Like the, sort of like the movie uh, Major League. Yeah, you know, it's, it's a great story. <laughs> it's a great thing. You know, Cleveland is a, is, a, is a great sports town. It really is. It just had a bad run of luck. And you think about great sports towns that have just not had a lot of uh, good times. That's one of them. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm thinking about the 86 uh, NFL John Elway 98-yard uh, drive. Yeah. Or, or how about the next year? It was either the year after that or the year before that when Cleveland was on the verge of winning the game and Ernest Meyer Ernest fumbled, Marcy, yeah, fumbled the ball at the goal line at Mile High Stadium. And, and then, of course, uh, you know, we all can go back to 1997 when they're playing the Florida Marlins and yeah. Edgar Renteria gets a base hit off Jose Mesa, wins the game, yeah, game seven. Yeah. There you go. So they've had their share of, you know. I mean, the fact that LeBron James ended a 50 two-year losing streak of not getting a championship for, for that city. That's a great story. You know, you know? I was going to say, Cleveland doesn't have a hockey team. No, they've had hockey teams. They had a team in the old uh, World Hockey Association, the Cleveland Barons. As a matter of fact, interesting story, the California Golden Seals, who were also known as the Oakland Seals, uh, came into the league in 1966-67. They were only here about, I think, a, uh, a decade. They moved to Cleveland, and then the team – was disbanded, I think, a couple of years later, and most of the players went to Minnesota. So you wonder, you know, in Cleveland where there's lots of snow. You'd think that'd be a good yeah. – I don't understand why a team – why there are teams in Miami yeah, and in exactly. Phoenix yeah. and in Dallas – and in Charlotte, well, well, and there's not one in Cleveland. That yeah, makes no I, sense. I mean, I understand uh, the warmer places like Tampa my, Bay because my, of the snowbirds, basically right, going. Right. Ah, I grew up in the snow in the yeah. in the 30s, but, and you but know, generally like, speaking, where those teams yeah. that are in the, in the Sun Belt are not doing well at the gate uh, and in any way, uh, yeah. they have not done well. I mean, a team like say Denver does well because Denver is a a winter sport town, and it's near the mountains, and they've had some great hockey teams there with the Avalanche and. You know, the Bay Area has had – it doesn't have a huge following for the Sharks, but it's got a good cult following. L.A. has had a, a solid kind of a cult following. But, I mean, who wants to go see hockey in Phoenix or in uh, – <laughs> Well, you, know, you get, get out of the or, heat. Or in Nashville. Play, play on the Zamboni. Yeah. The Nashville Predators. You know, it just doesn't, yeah. it doesn't make sense. The NHL is, is a strange league. They, I don't think they're nearly as sharp in terms of marketing and in terms of – product placement as the NBA, NFL, or, or Major League Baseball. They just are not in the same league. I, you know, i got to be honest. I, I don't really care for hockey until I well, see fights. <laughs> I think what you have to do with hockey is you have to go to the game in person. I had never been to a hockey game in my life 
I'd watched a little on television until I went to school at the University of Denver, and they had a great hockey program. They were always in the Frozen Four. And frozen Four, is that what they call th- it? That's what they call it. The Final Four is the Frozen Four. <laughs> and uh, they, like they were the, in, that, in those days, they didn't have, they had an ABA team, which, which was moderately successful. They didn't have an NHL team. They didn't have a baseball team. So Denver University yeah, hockey was a big deal. We packed that place with about 6,000 fans. They've won two championships uh, in the last 15 years back-to-back. But they didn't win any titles when I was there, but they had won four in the 1960s. And you go to a game, it's the one sport I think that you really is so much better to see in person. It's hard to follow the puck on television, but if you go to the game, you can see it a little bit better. And uh, I think you, the end-to-end action is, is just uh, it's uh, mesmerizing. It really, it's a great well, you sport. You follow the follow the puck. The guys who are chasing the puck. Yeah, there's a lot of action mm-hmm. away from the puck though too, and it's it's a it's. I love the you know the way they bring in the different shifts and the strategy involved and the quickness and the the sudden change of, of momentum. Uh, you know, there's just enough scoring to keep you interested, not too much. Basketball sometimes there's too much. Football there's too much standing around between yeah. plays. Baseball, of course, they're standing around all the time. <laughs> all the time yeah. Hockey, it's constant motion. Constant, you know, yeah. soccer yeah. they're moving, but they're kind of moving sort of slowly. Yeah. Hockey, they are flying up and down the ice. It's like highlight. You ever seen highlight? I person? have. That's I have. Cool. That's, that is a fanatic. Uh, I would say a fanatics sport to watch in terms of you know people getting into it as hardcores, but it's it's yeah. Man, you talk about especially. Whew. And that in Miami is big. I saw that when I was in Baja of all places. Uh, in uh, Tijuana, and I could <laughs> oh, not yeah. believe what those, these guys wear these things called sesestas. Don't they call it the basket? Yeah, thing? there's long basket things yeah. on their arms, and they catch that ball and then catch it in one motion and throw it back against yeah. the wall. That's amazing. Some of these sports that we've come up with. How about lacrosse, which was originally, I guess, a Native American game and, beca- and was really big, I guess, in Central America, and they would play for days, and the winners would literally put the losers in in slavery i mean and, and whole cities would lose their you know their fortunes over these games they play for days so the stakes were pretty high they played for keeps i mean uh cricket they don't do that no they play for, they play for days sometimes how does they the do. game go on for days i don't understand that i don't know you know i somebody's gonna have to explain to me about cricket because cricket is kind of loosely related to baseball yeah. and it's also there used to be a game called rounders which yeah. i guess baseball mm-hmm. is loosely based on Similarly. it's town ball or whatever and there's yeah. there's versions of it that were played in england but uh it's interesting how baseball evolved you think of all the odd uh, little uh, eccentricities of, of, of baseball and, and the weird rules if you don't follow the game of baseball try to try to explain it to somebody yeah, well especially uh the games changed over you know i mean there was a time when nine nine balls used to What's be a that? walk oh is that right yeah, yeah I, this is I, ridiculous i don't remember fact, that some, some of these that, trivia that, questions i have are from the late 1700s well, for baseball they, oh my gosh well that's going back <laughs> i always think of baseball as really bruce did you hear that no yeah <laughs> i'm serious yeah I, I don't i don't think you'll get any of those questions I don't, I don't get any of those <laughs> well it used to be up until 1900 you could take a ball and if if a guy was in the base pass you could throw, throw it at, at the runner him. and he'd be out yeah how about that yeah, yeah until, until a few guys died yeah yeah. Well, I was kidding about the 1700s because baseball wasn't really invented. But the kind 18. of game that was like baseball, I think it was called yeah. town, ball. town ball, was around. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Back in, in the, the 1700s? The Ameri- okay. In the American Revolution. Okay, let's, let's, try, yeah. let's try this again. I've got yeah. some uh, baseball questions from the okay. 1300s. Oh, okay, there baseball. we go. We got you on that one. There's no baseball. <laughs> there you yeah. go. Well, that's the answer where I was looking be, for. Where, will there be baseball in the 22nd or 23rd centuries? Though? That's the big question. Good, I think there will be. Good question. Yeah. Good question. Okay. I don't have an answer to that yet because we haven't gotten there. Right. Here's our uh, second trivia question. Who was the first player in history to strike out 1,500 times in a career? Ooh. That's kind That's of a neat question. Yeah, yeah. Stay with us. You're listening to Sports Econ 101. We'll come back with that answer.
How would you like to earn over 8% per year in your investment portfolio in a conservative investment that has been considered one of the best-kept secrets in investing? At Pacific Private Money, we are actually paying over 8%. Imagine what a mutual fund of low loan-to-value mortgages would look like. Well, that is very similar to what participating in the Pacific Private Money Fund is like because we own many loans in the fund that are actually less than 60% loan-to-value. It would be extremely difficult to find an investment that yields over 8% with this much collateral. We pay you monthly. Can you imagine earning more in one month than most banks are paying in one year? Of course you have questions about how we can deliver this. So call Pacific Private Money at 415-883-2150 and we will answer all of your questions. You can also visit us at PacificMoneyFund.com. Hi, Sports Econ 101 listeners. I'm Edward Brown. You know me as the host of the show, but you may not know that I work with individuals getting them the least expensive term life insurance policies around. Don't be fooled by the ads you hear on TV and radio. It's always best to work with someone who's completely independent. That's where I come in. If you email me at edward at sportsecon101.com, your name, your age, and how much insurance you want, I'll run the numbers through my software program and let you know the least expensive policy around from among many of the top insurance companies. Again, I'm totally independent, so email edward at sportsecon101.com for your free life insurance quote today. Why pay more for life insurance than you need to? I can get you a guaranteed policy where the low premiums are fixed anywhere from 10 to 35 years. So email edward at sportsecon101.com right now for your free life insurance quote. That's edward at sportsecon101.com. Hey, what's up? We love Burger King grilled dogs. They're made with 100% beef and they're 100%. They're so good, they make us want to sing like. I can't believe it. Burger King made a grilled dog. Made with 100% beef. Flame grilled anytime you want. You can try it in classic or chili cheese. Flame grilled and made with 100% beef. Starting at just $1.99. Get a grilled dog now at participating Burger King restaurants. Flame grilling hot dogs since 2016. Price and participation vary. Imagine your child cannot hear or speak. What do you do? Where do you go? Weingarten Children's Center provides innovative and effective services to children with hearing and communication difficulties. Support our programs by attending the second annual Chili Cook-Off at the San Jose Flea Market on Saturday, July 23rd, where one of last year's contestants went on to win the World Champion Chili Cook-Off. Taste delicious chilies while helping our children. Learn more and support today at listenspeaklearn.org. Welcome back to Sports Econ 101. Edward Brown here, along with Bruce McGowan. Trivia question about baseball. Who was the first player in history to strike out 1,500 times in a career? Uh, You know, the guy that I remember striking out the most here in the Bay Area was Bobby Bonds, but I don't think he was... It was before him. Yeah. But not too much before him. Mickey Mantle? Yes. Yeah, Mickey Mantle did. He was one of those guys, you know, hit and miss. Boy, he would take a swing, and it was almost like he'd screw himself into the ground. He'd like a, oh, it was yeah. like a, a barber's pole, you know, spinning around. You'd watch him take a swing, and it was almost painful to watch sometimes. <laughs> it really was. That You think about Mickey Mantle, Edward. Think about wh- what a great player he could have been if, he, if he'd stayed healthy. Healthy, yeah, and it, didn't drink so much. He <laughs> didn't drink so much. Well, who knows you know, how much that affected. I mean, there were a lot of guys that did drink and, and had long careers, but Mickey just had a series of injuries. That well, was, especially his knee in center yeah. field with a sprinkler, right? Well, he had that... It, 
it all started in the 1951 World Series. Joe DiMaggio was coming in on a fly ball with Mantle, and Mantle was the rookie, and he deferred at the last second to uh, to uh, DiMaggio and, and ran into the sprinkler and tore up his knee. He was never quite the same after that. That was his rookie the knee year. Was, yeah, the knee was never quite the same. He was, he was a great player. I mean, yeah. you look at the numbers he put up. I think in 1955 he had something like, 54 homers, drove in something like 130 runs and hit like two, 354. So he was remarkable. I mean, a lot of people say he was better than Mays. I don't think he was nah. as good a all-around player as Willie, but for a couple of years he might have been more dominant than Willie was in yeah. Willie's most dominant day. But Willie overall was the best all-around all player. All-around player. I yeah. mean, Willie could do everything. He could hit, throw, field, hit with power and run. And So who today, you think like Mike Trout? Um, Who's the best all-around player today? Yeah. That's a good question. Mm-hmm. I'd have to, yeah, I'd have to think Harper's. about that. Bryce yeah. There's, yeah. You know, there's not that many players that combine speed, g- uh, a great glove, power, and the ability to hit uh, for a high for average. average. Yeah. You know, not that many. And and the and the uh, I'd say the art of st- of the stolen base, it's not disappeared, but it's not nearly as much of a threat as it used to be. I, lo- I used to yeah, love Rick- the. Oh, you know, uh, after Ricky Henderson, well, yeah. I mean, yeah. who'd you have? Well, back in the '60s, it was you know Wills and then Lou Brock. Yeah. I mean, Lou Brock used to drive me nuts. He'd come up yeah. first, bu- uh, first pitch swinging, you know, slash an opposite field single. He'd be on first base. Next pitch, he'd be at second. By the time you know the inning wasn't even over, he's you know he's ready to score a run and, yeah. and with one out. So. Uh, you don't have those guys anymore, or at least I don't think the game has changed that much. It's just the emphasis on certain things has changed. And well, he used to drive you crazy because uh, he used to play against the Giants too much. Yeah, I, I, and it's funny. The guys that used to kill the Giants now, I love them. I just love them because <laughs> I have them in my mind's eye, you know, whether it's Frank Robinson or Hank Aaron or Lou Brock or Bob Gibson. Or Dusty I, Baker. Or Dusty Baker. <laughs> whenever I run into these guys, you know, uh, at an old-timers event, and I've, I've been – Fortunate enough to interview all those guys over the years. I got to know Veda Pinson quite well when he was coaching. It's a real tragedy that he died young um, of, a, I think, an aneurysm. But it's just so much fun because they love telling stories. You know, they have had that time to sit back. They haven't been bothered so much by the media. They've been away from the game. They've had a chance to take a breath and appreciate their careers. And they have all these wonderful stories to tell. And that's, as uh, Jimmy Stewart once said, baseball is that marvelous mixture of man and memories of a bygone era. That's pretty good there, pretty, Bruce. Pretty good. Well, you can do it pretty well, too. You've got to give me a chance. Yeah, well, <laughs> you ever hear Jimmy Stewart when he, when he did his um, ode to his late beloved dog, Bo, on, no. uh, on Johnny Carson? He, he wrote a poem about it. It was kind of a funny poem. And at the end, it was so poignant that Johnny Carson had tears in his eyes. <laughs> You know, oh, how I loved a dog named Bo. <laughs> and I guess that really was his voice, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Jimmy was, uh, and it was big. There's a big baseball fan for you. I remember in 1969, the league came out with a record. It was a commemorative 100-year celebration of professional baseball because the first yeah. team was the uh-huh. Cincinnati Red Stockings of 1969. Yeah. You know, I took on a, yeah. 1869. Yeah. I'm sorry, right. I took on all comers and won most every game, and all those games were on the road. Yeah, you know, Jimmy Stewart narrated this. Uh, this uh, album, which uh, you know, I mean, how many people, there are no, <laughs> there are no records uh, that are made anymore. You know? They're they're you know CDs, and you you get things off the the internet, and you put them on your Bluetooth, and you have a little you know one of those little. Have you seen these speakers nowadays? They're like a, you can fit them in your hand. Yeah, and they, little tiny, and they sound pretty I good. I know. My wife made me get rid of the ones I had that were like four or five oh, feet yeah. tall. She <laughs> said, "We're not going to use those pounds. anymore." Yeah, weigh about eighty <laughs> pounds. Yeah, we're not going to use those anymore. Get rid of them. But but they're a classic. I know, know, I know. Uh, in fact, if I remember reading correctly, back in the Civil War days, um, it, or maybe even just before, 
Uh, baseball was is a gentleman's game, wasn't it, it? it? Well, yes and no. I mean, it was maybe a little more genteel, but I don't know if baseball's ever been. I don't think you'd ever really refer to it as a gentleman's game. I, uh, you know, there's some pretty rough characters that played baseball, and up until the 1920s, really, baseball was considered sort of the players were sort of considered second class citizens. You know, the players of the old days. Of the, yeah, I'm thinking about like I said, you know, before the yeah. Civil War, like when it was first getting started. Yeah, like, maybe because it was expensive to play, you had to buy, you know, get a glove yeah. and a bat. Well, and, the first teams were not. Yeah, they were all college. I believe they were all college, college players. Yeah. And same thing with football. Same thing with football. But the game generally, you know, gradually moved into the mainstream, and the mainstream was mostly made up of blue-collar people and working-class people, and, and those are the people that made it popular. So, you know, chewing tobacco and throwing at people's heads and, you know, cursing and spitting and grabbing your crotch, it all became a part of the national pastime. And you're telling me that's not a gentleman's uh, <laughs> attitude? <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely. Good good times, though. Baseball is still, I think, today as popular, if not more, more so, and I think because the game has reached out beyond our borders, you think about all the – Team, all the countries that are playing baseball. It's not as popular yeah. as soccer or basketball, but it's close. So well, yeah, we, yeah, we brought in, uh, you know, uh, Ichiro Suzuki oh, and yeah. Deo Nomo. Yeah. And, and, you know, it's very popular in Japan, that's yeah. for sure. And it's popular, you know, to a lesser degree in Australia and certainly in Central and South America, yeah. especially oh, yeah. in Central America and in the islands. I mean, Puerto Rico, Dominican Republic, and, you know, even Mexico and, and parts of Venezuela. I mean, it's, it's extremely... Oh, yeah. You look at you look at the the biggest minority in uh, pro sports now are Latino players. I think it's twenty six percent are Latino players in the in Major well, League Baseball. So one of every four players, basically. You know, well, I gotta say that part of uh, what I love this time of year is uh, getting into August is the Little League World Series. That's always fun. Yeah. Oh yeah, I love that. Yeah. Especially you know, it's kind of neat because the United States gets its pool lower and lower and lower and lower and it's the United States against the world. It's whoever's gonna be sure. Yeah, it's usually Taiwan or Japan. Well and they put a lot you know. of time and effort into those programs in those countries too. Japanese baseball is interesting though, the way they approach the game, the way they practice the, the their whole the the way the fans react. Um it's kinda like triple A baseball in terms of the quality, but you think of some of the athletes that have come out of Japan. You mentioned Nomo. And you Sadaharo. Met, Sadaharo. But you mentioned, you know, Suzuki is 41 years old, yeah. and the guy is still a great player. I remember going to the All-Star game here in San Francisco in 2007, and he hit a ball off the bricks in right field. It took a weird hop and just sort of skipped out into no man's land. And he just – the thing about him with – makes him such a great base runner or made him a great base runner is he knew how to as the pros would say cut the bag a lot of yeah, guys take yeah, that yeah. wide turn yeah he would take the inside turn on the inside of the bag and save himself a couple of feet on yeah. each each turn and i remember davy lopes who was a great player with the dodgers and later a coach told me that that was a real art he said that's one of the things i tried to emphasize um and teach to the younger players who were who were potentially good base dealers is to cut that bag you know, get on the inside. And, and you do it with yourself. your right foot, don't you? You know, I'm, I'm not I've heard sh- both. Yeah, and I've I just heard don't both. understand don't the left foot yeah. uh, cutting the bag. I, I don't know. This doesn't make sense it's, to it's, me. It's one of those subtle things, though, that can make the difference between, you know, stealing a bag or, or making, you know, turning a double into a triple or a triple into an inside the park home run. But anyway, Ichiro, you know, easily beat the throw home. And it was it was an electrifying play. And I just thought this this guy, it was at his peak of his career, obviously. And it was just... Uh, you know, to me, the most exciting moment in a baseball game, and you don't see how many times you see it inside the park home run. Very rare. It's it's probably as rare as a no hitter. It really is. Maybe not quite, but close. Yeah, yeah that's, not, that's not a good too point. many. Yeah. 
have to. I'd have to look that one up. Yeah, and a, uh, Ichiro isn't he? He's close to three thousand hits, isn't he? He is. He's right on the. He's right on the uh, the precipice. Which he, uh, he's got to be a first time Hall Hall of oh, Fame ballot. No question. You think he? You think about it. He came over here. I believe he was twenty seven when he got over here. So he'd already had a a great career for seven or eight years in Japan. All of a sudden, he comes over here and, and flawlessly. You know, steps right seamlessly steps right into the to the to the uh, lineup. I remember covering a game yeah, up in Seattle sure. with the Giants back in two thousand and one when the Mariners won one hundred. I think they won one hundred and sixteen oh, games. Yeah. Uh-huh. And going into that clubhouse, and Ichiro was sitting there in a squat, uh, you know, down on his haunches, not moving, watching video. And he sat there. You know, I went and did an interview, did a couple interviews, and I, I kept looking over him. He didn't move. And that was, you know, that's not an easy thing to do. Hold that thing for thirty seconds. It was kind of a yoga squat. Oh, I mean, he was they call so it the horse. Yeah, maybe? I'm not sure like exactly what they call, it. but it, but in any case, it's one of those things where you know he just had such a pliable body, and I think that's part of the the reason you watch the way he contort and turn and and hit the ball to the opposite field. I, I think it was his uh, former manager, Lou Pinella, said, "Boy, when I can get him to learn how to turn on a ball or yeah. or spend more time doing that." And just going opposite field and spraying it to left, he's really going to have the defenses flummoxed because they're not they're not going to know how to play the guy. And in good fact, point. that they didn't. Yeah, because he he was very good at spraying the ball. Oh, he could hit yeah. it. He, 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 he hit he, power. He was sort of like almost like a Ty Cobb who could hit home runs. That's but, a good but, comparison. Yeah, that's yeah. a very and almost like a tennis player taking a ball and sort of lobbing it this way or smacking it down the baseline yeah. or you know looping it over the net. I mean, that's that's the way he played. He's an amazing athlete. If you get a chance to watch him play, even today, still pretty good. So good. yeah, he went from Seattle to the Yankees, right? And now he's with the Mar- with the uh, Marlins, I believe, isn't he? With the Marlins, I think so. Yeah, but you don't you don't hear about him too much anymore. Well, he's only playing, uh, you know, every other day. He's coming mostly off the bench. His average is well over three hundred, though. I think he's hitting about three thirty. So I mean, the guy still can do it, but I I think they they use him sparingly. My, that, that, there's another team we we mentioned Cleveland earlier. Um, I'm not sure if we talked about him on this show or or on another show, but there is another team that. Uh, you know, is slowly but surely getting into the picture. They're right now the, uh, as we speak, they're the second wild card team. The Marlins? The Marlins, yeah. And uh, Giancarlo Stanton, who got off to a horrible start, started to pick it up. Uh, I think Barry Bonds helped him out. Barry Bonds has quietly done a real nice job as a hitting coach down there in Florida, and I think it's a great place for him because he's not getting a lot of notoriety, and he likes to kind of stay out of the line. He's one of those few big-name athletes who does not like being in the spotlight. He just doesn't like it. I mean, he likes the moment on the field, but he doesn't like all the attendant oh, you know, yeah. nonsense behind the scenes where you have to ask those que- answer those questions. Barry was always that way. Uh, I, I have a feeling he was a little, little moody, <laughs> to say the least. <laughs> More than a little moody. But I saw him do some extraordinary things off the field that would have really surprised you. Like what? Uh, well, one time we were in Miami with the Giants. It was in the playoffs. And on the team bus going to the ballpark, our bus got bumped by another car. The bus driver, an uh, older Cuban gentleman, gets out of the pulls over, gets out of the bus, <laughs> and these two guys in the car start cursing at him and, and giving him all sorts of, you know, trouble. When, it, when in fact it was their fault. Bonds is watching this and he goes, "What the?" He goes, "I'm going to take care of this." He goes out of he he comes out of the bus. These guys all of a sudden they're confronted by this six foot three inch, two hundred and forty pound athlete, and he goes, "Let me tell you guys something. I saw who's at fault here. You guys are at fault. You're going to give this man." Your information, you're going to apologize to him, and then you're going to get on your way. And uh, this, the, the the older gentleman was so you know kind of chagrined and grateful at the same time. Bonds got back on the 
and patted the guy in the back. And he goes, you don't let anybody give you any crap, you know. Good and the him. players were all, hey, good for you, Barry, to do that. You know, we're all watching this thinking, oh, my God, Barry's going to get in a fight with yeah, these guys. Yeah, this guy's going to pull out a no, gun. No, these two guys, stuff. they just backed off in a hurry. They backed off yeah, in a big hurry. Yeah, yeah. I like that. Yeah. All right, we're going to come to our last trivia question here. Who became the youngest player in history to hit a home run? Mm. I think I know. <coughs> excuse me. I think I know the answer. Uh, really? Okay. I do. And it's not your little league team. <laughs> you gotta, you're talking, we are talking professional baseball here. Yeah. I was so anxious to answer that when I got a frog in my throat. Really? Wow. Okay. <laughs> First of all, do you know the year? I think so. About what year? What, year, what do you think? Mid-60s? No. Oh. So, that, okay. so the, that, I figured I ah, will give you a hint on all that right. one. This is somebody who I... I don't know this name. What year? 1945. Yeah. During during the war years. During the war years, yeah. Okay. Uh, Toward the end, right? Uh, Didn't it end in 45? Yeah. All right. You're listening to Sports Econ 101. We're going to come back and give you the answer to that question. Don't touch that dial. Are you a business owner or an individual who owes the IRS? Then be prepared to write down an important phone number. Do you owe $10,000 or more in back taxes? Do you need to file back tax returns? Are you dealing with bank levies and wage garnishments? It's time to deal with your IRS problem today. Call Certified Tax Tax Representation now. Certified Tax Tax Representation, Inc. represents clients just like you in all 50 states. They will contact the IRS on your behalf the same day that you become a client, and you can become a client immediately. It's time for you to face your IRS problems. Think about how great you're going to feel when you're represented by a company who's an advocate for you, who knows the law, who also will contact the IRS the same day you become a client. Call today for your free, no obligation consultation. Call now, 1-800-999-1064. That's 1-800-999-1064. Not all cases are typical and some may not qualify. The consultation is free and so is the call, so call right now. 1-800-999-1064. That's 1-800-999-1064. Are you an inventor who would like to try to have an invention or idea patented and submitted to companies? But you don't know what to do next. Call for free information from InventHelp. InventHelp, a leading inventor service company, has been helping inventors since 1984 and has sales offices located in more than 60 cities nationwide. You'll want to talk to the company that has helped secure more than 7,000 invention patents. So call InventHelp. Even if you have an idea for improving an existing product and don't know where to go with it, you'll still want to call InventHelp for free information. You'll find out how InventHelp may assist you in trying to patent your invention and submit it to companies. So call now. Call InventHelp at 1-800-316-1738. That's 1-800-316-1738. Get your free information by dialing 1-800-316-1738. That's 1-800-316-1738. 1-800-316-1738. When you struggle with credit card bills every month, you're not just in debt. Debt is all around you. I see people every day that are on the brink. They're going to go over the edge, and at the bottom is bankruptcy, and we pull them back. At the Debt Helpline, we're experts at helping you resolve your debt problems and become free of debt. We can help you pay off your debt and give you one lower monthly payment that you can afford. You do get to consolidate your payments. 
you only have to worry about making one payment a month instead of making three or four or five. If you have $5,000, $10,000 or more in credit card bills, call the Debt Helpline now for a free confidential debt analysis. 800-957-6063. 800-957-6063. Call the CESI Debt Helpline right now for a free confidential debt review. 800-957-6063. 800-957-6063. Welcome back to Sports Econ 101. Last time for today, I'm Edward Brown, your host, along with Bruce McGowan. Third and final trivia question, who became the youngest player in history to hit a home run? Well, we talked about this off air. I thought it was Tony Canigliaro, who I believe hit his first at the age of 19 in, in about 1964. But you're saying it was somebody in the, the late stages of the in World ni- War II. 1945, he was only age 16. Played for the Brooklyn Dodgers. Wow. A guy named Tommy Brown. Tommy Brown. I don't know no, that don't name. Don't know that name. Uh, we have just a quick minute. You're going to mention something uh, about Tony Yeah, Kinnigler. Tony Kinniglero. You know, he worked as a sportscaster here in the Bay Area, but it was so sad. I mean, he got hit in the face by a Jack Fisher fastball in 1967, the, yeah. the year that the Red Sox won the pennant, the 101 long shots. And he didn't get to play anymore. He came back and had a, a season or two where he was pretty good, but it just never was the same. And he had a series of, you know, off-field. The guy was charming, likable, good-looking, but he just had some bad breaks. You yeah. know, he, he, then he died of a heart attack. Yeah, because uh, in '66 he had a really good season. He actually didn't die of a heart attack. He had a he had a heart condition that led to some deterioration, and he had a, a serious stroke right after he had auditioned for a, a job as a broadcaster. He would have been a very good. Uh. Uh, you know, color analyst, but Tony Canigliaro was a terrific player. Interesting that, you know what the Red Sox did? They went out and got Hawk Harrelson to replace him, which was a pretty good move, and Hawk Harrelson had a, a great World Series, I believe, or at least a great season. Don't remember him. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Here's our thoughts for the day. There's plenty of room at the top, but no room to lie down. Oh, ah. you got to stand. That's, That's right. Just keep be, looking. A, be, a, be a target. That's it. Everybody's shooting for you. Good point. Yeah. And obsessed is a word the unmotivated use to describe the dedicated. Uh, I like that one. You like that one, too? Who said that? Uh, I just said it now. Okay. You made it up. I, no, nah, I, 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 I wish I could claim that one. I don't know who said that. I, we'll call him Mr. Anonymous. Okay. Tune in next week to Sports Econ 101. We're going to be discussing sports topics from a business perspective. We're also going to be giving away some more free vacations for answering those sports trivia questions. Thanks for listening. On behalf of our team, I'm your host, Edward Brown. Well, we'll see you next week. Good night, America. So long. <laughs>